Welcome to the S-Files, sponsored by Serve Wisconsin, Wisconsin's National Community Service Board. I'm your host, Kyle Flower, Communications and Government Affairs Officer for Serve Wisconsin. S-Files is your look into the impacts and stories of AmeriCorps members and volunteers serving throughout the state of Wisconsin. Each episode, we'll be digging into their service stories, or S-Files, to learn about the people and programs whose service is meeting critical needs across Wisconsin and enriching the lives of the people and communities they serve. Hi, this is Kyle with Serve Wisconsin. We're speaking with several of the partner agencies and grantees that Serve Wisconsin works with when promoting volunteer response to disasters about a different endeavor they've been part of over the last few months, which is supporting the volunteer efforts to provide assistance to the Afghan guests that are up at Fort McCoy. Right now, we're talking with John Stillmacher from Team Rubicon, who is currently the chair of the Wisconsin VOAD, to talk about the roles that they played in supporting the Afghan guests that are here in Wisconsin, and then how they're helping Wisconsin communities prepare and respond to disasters and other emergencies. So, John, welcome, and thanks for talking with us today. Thanks for having me here today. We really appreciate you being here. Could you start off by just telling us a little bit about both Team Rubicon and Wisconsin VOAD? Yes. So, Wisconsin VOAD is an organization that brings together all of the voluntary organizations that are active in disaster and brings them together for communication, coordination, and collaboration. Each different organization plays a different role, and Wisconsin VOAD allows that to collaborate and work together to support survivors of disaster. Wisconsin VOAD is really strong compared to some of the other states. We meet very regularly every week during the Afghan resettlement. And we met every week during COVID as well, just to ensure that we had a common operating picture and we knew what all the needs were of the communities and best to address those. So, you know, Wisconsin Vote is made up of organizations like uh, Salvation Army, American Red Cross, and Team Rubicon, which is organization that I represent at Wisconsin Voet. Team Rubicon is a rather unique disaster organization in that we are young. We were founded in 2010, and we were founded by military veterans and first responders who were witnessing disasters and saying, hey, I have skills that these people need. Let me find a way to get involved. So we started off doing that internationally, and then we decided to try it here domestically in the United States. And it really has given a dual purpose to our mission. Our primary mission is responding to disasters and assisting those survivors as rapidly as we can. But what we found is this is a great calling for veterans to continue their service after they've taken off their uniforms. So we are made up primarily of military veterans and first responders. About 70% of our volunteer base is military veterans, and they find a lot of comfort in having that mission and the camaraderie of continuing their service after you know, their time in uniform. Well, thanks for giving us that uh, explanation of both of them and for just giving folks that opportunity to keep making a difference and keep serving in another capacity. And then can you tell us how and why uh, Wisconsin VOED and then Team Rubicon became involved in assisting the Afghan guests up at Fort McCoy? So Wisconsin VOED collaborates very closely with the state of state government. We are a non-government organization, but we coordinate with Wisconsin Emergency Management almost on a daily basis. Our missions go hand in hand. So when the state of Wisconsin 
found out that the Afghan evacuees were going to be coming to Fort McCoy immediately, uh, the voluntary agency liaison from Wisconsin Emergency Management reached out to me and we started coordinating, trying to see how we could get involved. Simultaneously, at the national VOAD level, there was conversations about the needs that were at all of these sites, and it was donations management. Since this wasn't a federally declared disaster, that kind of ties some organizations' hands on whether or not they can get involved in it. And donations management is a scary, scary thing. It's a big beast. And if you don't do it, you don't want to do it. Team Rubicon decided at our chief executive officer level that this was a mission that we needed to step in on, you know, supporting the Afghan evacuees, because it's a mission that's so close to the hearts of our veterans who make up Team Rubicon. We saw that no one was really had the ability to fill that donations management gap. So on a national call with National VOAD and the Department of Defense, our CEO, Art Delacruz, said, we'll do it. And they say, which site? <laughs> said, we'll do it. And we ended up having Team Rubicon step in at seven different sites across the U.S. So when that happened, it was, I came back to Wisconsin VOAD. We had a, a one of our meetings and we said, look, Team Rubicon is going to take on this donation management piece at the site, but we need all of us as an organization and separate organizations to come together and really collect the items that were needed. And at Fort McCoy, it was clothing for everyone you know, collecting these new clothing items and get those from across the state and get it to the team at, at Fort McCoy so that it could get sorted, processed, and handed off to the Afghan evacuees as rapidly as possible. And it really was a total statewide effort from organizations, whether it's Operations Community Cares in Green Bay or Journey Disaster Response Team down in Kenosha. Salvation Army opened up multiple sites across the state to serve as donations collection sites. So you didn't have to get all the way to Fort McCoy. You could go to Oak Creek or Green Bay or La Crosse to get those donations dropped off. The Islamic Society of Milwaukee did an outstanding job of getting all of their members together and the Islamic community together to source those really culturally appropriate clothing that we can't even buy here. Um, all of that came together. We had some of our food bank uh, partners offer their semi trucks to move these donations. And it really was a Herculean effort to get this done. For anyone who's not familiar with the area around Fort McCoy, Fort McCoy sits right in between Toma and Sparta. Toma and Sparta, Wisconsin, each have about 9,000 residents. At Fort McCoy, we were preparing for 13,000 evacuees. So it then became essentially the largest city in Monroe County. Each of those two communities have their own Walmarts to support, you know, the communities. Fort McCoy has the PX, which is essentially a really large convenience store. So we really had to bring everything that could possibly be needed into this facility. And when we think about it, it's families that came here, not just individuals. So there are age ranges. People always ask me, how, what's the age ranges there? And it's literally born this morning a baby to, you know, a senior citizen. And it's those whole families. So, you know, you've got to think about thousands of diapers a day, pallets of formula, things like that. And just some of the numbers that, you know, I can throw out there as of today at Fort McCoy, you know, it's been over 700,000 items have been processed through there. You know, an estimated value of $4.7 million worth of donations coming in to support these newest Americans. It really speaks a lot 
to how supportive Wisconsinites are and how giving Wisconsinites are. So I can tell you, you know, Team Rubicon, I thank everyone as the chairman of the board for Wisconsin Boat. I'm not surprised at this, but I am very thankful for this amazing outpouring of support from the community. That's wonderful. I'd love to echo those sentiments of just how the outpouring of support has been so fantastic for folks. And I think you made a great point, though, that even as people wanted to give, they had to figure out what they're able to give. And then it's the how do we get things from Green Bay or Kenosha or Madison or Milwaukee or Superior to the right part of the state? And then how you all played such a huge role in this with all those different voluntary organizations. Yeah, it, really coordinating together really is what made this work. No single organization could have supported this. Even at the federal government level, there's multiple agencies involved. So everyone really collaborating and working together is what makes this successful because this this could have been very unsuccessful and you know the coordination we had with our state federal local partners to really pull this off it's promising and it's something that we can look at as we continue on with any disasters you know that happen in the state say a bad tornado outbreak or flooding we've already tested the system to what would be an unrealistic level and we see that we can do it so if we need to do it on a smaller scale it should be rapidly done And so I know this is going to be an ongoing situation with evolving needs as resettlement happens and as the seasons change and as clothing needs change. So what are some things that people can still do and what are some roles that volunteers can still play? Right now we are, you know, coming into winter and most of these evacuees came in August. Um, So what they traveled in, they weren't allowed to bring any luggage with them to expedite the, uh, evacuation. So they came in seasonally appropriate clothing for August. Um, Seasonally appropriate clothing in August, you know, a lot of us wear shorts still in October, but that's not really going to cut it. So we've been really working with community and corporate partners to get as many, as much winter clothing as possible. Um, We want to make sure we get them enough that they are comfortable, but we also don't want to burden them as everyone who's at Fort McCoy is not necessarily going to be resettling in Wisconsin. So we don't need to have, you know, a full winter wardrobe for an individual who may be eventually resettling in Southern California. So it's really getting the needs covered. And then as we move into resettlement, which the state of Wisconsin is already focusing on with those resettlement agencies, there's going to be the needs to get the permanent solutions for individuals. So that is for the ones who do end up resettling here, getting them the full closet, full of clothing, getting them the mattresses that they need, getting them, you know, finding them appropriate housing and all of those things. So, you know, the Department of Children and Family Services is going to be putting out some links coming up on how you can support that. I know Wisconsin Emergency Management will be sharing some of that as well, because this is going to be a whole community approach to resettling these Afghans here permanently. We want to make sure the ones that are here permanently are set up for success so that they can get into the community, get engaged with individuals, and really enjoy their new American experience. And the ones who won't be resettling here permanently, the way I look at it is I'm a proud Wisconsinite, and I want them to look back fondly on their time here in Wisconsin starting their new American experience, not in a negative way. So that's why we're really pushing that we're getting as much brand new clothing for them so that got it for a while and it's really high quality. That's that's what we're pushing for. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think you're hitting on this, that it's a little of an unusual project for Wisconsin Boa to be taking on, everyone to be taking on, because it's not a federally declared disaster. This isn't a traditional emergency or disaster. There hasn't been a tornado or flooding. 
So how has that really impacted what you've been able to do? It's really caused us to be able to, you know, flex in a direction that we might not normally go. There's a lot of organizations that have memorandums of understanding with government agencies, and those are all tied to declared disasters. So some of the agencies who would normally fill in some of these roles, they just can't. By law, they can't. So finding new ways to engage different organizations has been, you know, exciting for someone who, you know, works in disasters to see organizations be able to flex outside of their normal comfort zone. Like Team Rubicon has never really done donations management before and really getting into it and figuring out the most efficient ways has really been a great exercise for us. And it's going to only help communities in the future. We're learning as we go on a lot of these things, making little course corrections so that when we have to do it next time, it'll be even better. That's great. And I know that kind of just like how this wasn't an expected project that you'd be taking on, that really looking at what Team Rubicon does and what Wisconsin Boat had been doing traditionally in the past, when COVID hit last year, that was also, you weren't doing usually pandemic response. So how did you all respond, especially with Wisconsin VOAD and anything with Team Rubicon, how do you all respond to COVID throughout Wisconsin and things you're able to help coordinate or do? Wisconsin VOAD started coordination calls immediately once COVID hit. We knew that there was going to be a role for voluntary organizations. We just didn't know what it was. This really is, you know, we haven't had a pandemic like this in modern times. So looking at how these agencies can get involved was really important. Team Rubicon did something that we were not sure was going to work. We've done medical operations internationally, but we've never done them domestically. We decided that we were going to go all in on supporting COVID. And we started with the testing facilities. As force multipliers, instead of trying to put the actual testers in the facilities, we said, we can give you wraparound logistics support so that you're not using a nurse to you know, do check-in, but we can have a Team Rubicon volunteer or a different agency volunteer. And that's where Wisconsin Void and Team Rubicon stepped into a couple different facilities to really get them up and running and then hand it off once they had enough staffing. So Jefferson County was a great example where we had teams in there helping with that, you know, moving the people through the process because it's not an easy process and it's scary. You know, there's a pandemic going on and here you are coming out in public to get tested. And that's the same as we moved into the vaccine distributions. And that was, you know, again, we went to some of the communities that most needed support, Jefferson County, Outagamie County, and then Milwaukee County, and assisted with that you know, vaccine distribution, really with moving people through the process and trying to expedite the process so that we could get the most amount of vaccines into the arms as possible. The entire time, just constantly coordinating, making sure that we were getting the actual requests to the VOAD membership out so that they could step in. It really was a unique thing in where volunteers were used differently than in a lot of other places, and it was really successful. Like, so how did were volunteers used differently? Is it just that un, not normally they wouldn't be doing logistics to be more the direct side of the service? Or is it more just the types of things they're being asked to do? It was really just trying to find how you can use those volunteers and using them for the logistics really worked well. A lot of different states tried to use volunteers and we did here in Wisconsin with success as well, but trying to use them as the uh, actual ones doing the vaccine distribution and all that, it's difficult to get that many qualified people out there to give that shot. We can give just-in-time training on logistics and process flow 
to, you know, a volunteer from any organization and get them spun up and into that team working together to get those people through the process. So that was really a great example of, you know, working together and bringing different organizations together to support that greater mission. That's great. Such a challenge over the last year and a half and just being able to see all the different ways that volunteers could fill in on those roles and make a difference and fill the roles to make sure things can just keep going to keep everybody as healthy as possible. Yeah, exactly. On the Team Rubicon side, you've done multiple disaster recovery projects here in Wisconsin over the last couple of years, including some in partnership with Serve Wisconsin and some of our AmeriCorps members. I remember a couple back in 2019, I got to go up to one for a bit up in Ocano County. And so could you give an overview of the types of projects that your volunteers have been doing here in Wisconsin outside of the Afghan resettlement and outside of the pandemic, but your more traditional disaster recovery? Every year that it's held, which is seems to be going every year again now, there's an exercise called Patriot Exercise, which is National Guard Domestic Operations Exercise. And it's an exercise built around a disaster, and they bring in National Guard from across the entire United States to come in and support it. Team Rubicon has been participating for, I think, the last seven years, and we really have tweaked how we engage in that, in that we don't want to just exercise, we want to have real world community involvement. We partnered with AmeriCorps one year to work on some long-term flood recovery in the area around Volkfield. That area isn't gets flooded pretty frequently, and there were some homes that had kind of fallen through the cracks. So we had gotten in there with AmeriCorps members and Team Rubicon members to muck out some of the basements and then really get after some flood mitigation going to the Baraboo River where it is up there and getting out um, some of the blockages, Get using our chainsaw teams to cut out some of the trees that were going to fall into the river and then create blockages. So we did that with AmeriCorps. We also, in 2019, in Ocanto County, responded to the derecho that went through and just leveled thousands of acres of forest. That area was particularly at risk because one of their main things that drives that area is the winter snowmobile trails. Those trails were impassable and it wasn't just because there was a log laying across it. There were piles of trees 17 feet high blocking the trails. Team Rubicon along with American Red Cross and AmeriCorps went in for about 10 days and went in with heavy equipment, chainsaws, and brute muscle and cleared 27 miles of snowmobile trail. You know, snowmobile trail, you talk about that being recreation. In that area, that's the lifeblood of that area. So without that, there would have been, you know, communities severely hurt um, financially by not having those trails open. And that was just a really good example of how we can bring teams together as a common goal. And while we may have, you know, some slightly different capabilities, if we're mindful in our planning, we can utilize each of those capabilities together to create that mission, just pushing forward and, you know, getting way more done combining than we would have done if we would have worked separately. That's great. And unfortunately, natural disasters are going to just keep on happening. So you have to figure out what the CUNY needs after one happens, but also look at what you can do in advance of future ones. Yep. And that's where Team Rubicon and, you know, part of the goal for Wisconsin VOAD too is we're looking at mitigation as being not the solution for natural disasters because you can't mitigate against all disasters, but looking at those areas where we can work in advance to, you know, lessen the impact of that disaster. So like I said, 
removing some of the debris in the Baraboo River or the the trees that are dying and are going to fall into the river, getting rid of them before they ever hit the river, that's going to mitigate against the disaster for flooding there. And that's where that's the future really is having the voluntary organizations really working at all stages of the disaster cycle so that it's, you know, we're not we're not making things worse, we're making them better. And I think that's great looking at that advanced preparation for all stages of the disaster response. I know that's part of why Service Wisconsin launched an initiative a couple of years ago through the Volunteer Generation Fund to create regional VOADs in each of Wisconsin Emergency Management's six regions. So could you tell us how that effort's connected to the larger Wisconsin VOAD and then how they've helped support response efforts these last few years? Yeah, so that was a huge lift for us to get off the ground. We had really good representation at the state level from the larger organizations, but at the community level, we didn't really have those um, more community-based organizations actively involved in a group. They were there doing something, but there wasn't that communication, collaboration, and coordination that VOAD really preaches and helps to you know foster. So we ended up using the CGF grants to help fund an offset for a full-time employee from an organization already in that community to start building um, these, we're calling them co-ads, you know, community organizations active in disaster. So it's bringing the business side, the nonprofit side, and the government side all together in each of the six WEM regions to be able to coordinate better and respond faster. That community organization that's based in Racine County that only has to go two miles to get to the disaster zone is going to have much more impact and be faster than a statewide organization like Team Rubicon, just because we're not right there in that moment. It's been very successful uh, so far. That really showed during the Afghan mission here. We were seeing it during the COVID mission, but during the Afghan mission, having these larger, you know, regional groups coming together and then, you know, coordinating. So it wasn't 15 organizations all collecting donations in 15 different warehouses. It was, let's all bring it here together. And then we'll coordinate one truckload going up to Fort McCoy. Seeing those come out of the six different regions was, you know, it was just kind of watching something that you were building and hoping was going to work actually come together and be able to drive a result at the end. Each of those areas is now getting stronger and stronger and stronger as they keep seeing the more things that they're able to do when they're working together collaboratively. That's fantastic about how they've been able to collaborate to combine these efforts. And I think a big part of it is not just the response when the disaster might happen, but that idea of mitigation efforts you mentioned earlier and all that planning and thoughtfulness before the next disaster strikes that'll be able to help the community respond as well. Yeah. And then also after the disaster, doing long-term recovery, you're not creating you know, new things every time. You've got that central group that can walk everything through each stage of the disaster. And you're going to have, you know, groups come in and come out of that and organizations come in and come out. But having that centralized, you know, this is the team that is going to coordinate this uh, just keeps things rolling and makes it smoother and smoother and smoother every time something happens. And then what's the collaboration been like with the state of Wisconsin on this effort? The state of Wisconsin has done a 
really great job of partnering with Wisconsin VOAD to where there's not much of a line between the non-government organization and the government organization. We're really partnering together to drive for results that are the same. We all want the same thing. We want homeowners and disasters of survivors to recover as rapidly as possible. And working together collaboratively is what is going to keep driving that forward. That's great that that collaboration is happening because it's going to make life so much better for everyone with the state and these volunteer organizations working so closely together. And then just looking forward, if people want to support different disaster response efforts and recovery efforts and volunteer and support the work that y'all are doing, what should they do or what should other organizations do? So if you want to get involved, in the disaster response, joining one of the, you know, le- legitimate disaster response organizations that's active in your community. And that's how you could say, I get asked the question a lot, what's a legitimate organization? It's one that you see actually doing things in your community. If they're not doing anything in your community, that's probably not one for you. And that's same with donations. For much of this, cash is king is what is often said in when it comes to donations for disasters, because that allows um, for bulk purchasing. And there's, even though it's volunteers, there's costs that need to be offset. So donating cash to one of those organizations that you trust, that you see doing good things in the community is really a great way to get involved. I think it's great advice, Linda, for ways people can get going and help out because there's a lot of things going on at once. And it's knowing who should you really go to is a huge part of that. The big litmus test for me is what have I seen that organization do? And that's that's where I, you know, when I volunteer with other organizations, which I do, that's what I look for is the ones who I see active in the community. Well, John, I just want to say thank you so much for your work coordinating and acting as chair of Wisconsin VOAD. And then thank you to Team Rubicon for all the work its volunteers have been doing. We really appreciate these efforts and we're so excited. There's so many volunteers out there making a difference in these communities. Yep. Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone who's listening to this, who's supported a mission of any of the VOAD partners. We can't do it without the support of the community. So thank you. And then up next, we're sitting down with Shane Goss from Wisconsin Emergency Management about the roles they played in supporting the Afghan guests and how they're helping prepare Wisconsin communities to respond to disasters. So Shane, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. And so Shane, could you start off by telling us a little bit about Wisconsin Emergency Management and then your role as the state voluntary agency liaison? Sure. So uh, WIM's mission is to build capabilities and coordinate resources to support a safe and resilient Wisconsin. So the question is, is how do we do that? During disasters, we are the primary agency that coordinates with all other state agencies. We also manage the State Emergency Operations Center. So if there's a disaster that requires um, additional coordination at the state level, we will activate that state emergency operations center. So we're we're kind of the subject matter experts on coordinating between other state agencies and allocating resources, finding resources to help support those agencies within the state that have a need. Uh, During like blue skies, uh, whenever there's not a disaster, we're consistently planning, exercising, training, and making sure everyone in the state has the tools and resources that they need to respond effectively whenever something does happen. I think it's also important to like clarify what a disaster truly is. Best way to look at it as it's an incident that exceeds the capabilities of that local jurisdiction. So if you have something like a tornado come through and that local jurisdiction is unable to respond effectively, that's when they can uh, request support from Wisconsin Emergency Management, and we will assist in coordinating those those resources and 
maintain good situational awareness of how that incident is unfolding. Um, as the state voluntary agency liaison, I am the primary coordinator of efforts between those non-governmental organizations, which includes the VOAD, the Wisconsin VOAD, and the state government. And then could you tell us a little bit about how and why Wisconsin Emergency Management then became involved in assisting the Afghan guests up at Fort McCoy? And then what are some of the different parts of this effort that WIM has been doing over the last several weeks? Okay, so a couple members of our planning team actually kind of have a uh, vested interest whenever we were doing the withdrawal from Afghanistan. So we were monitoring that uh, pretty closely. So that all really started happening on, on August 15th. And that Monday morning, we were kind of discussing it. And then through open source media, we kind of discovered that a lot of these evacuees were going to be coming to Fort McCoy, Wisconsin. So me and uh, my office mate, Drew Werner, he's a, another planner on our team. We just kind of started discussing it, how that might potentially impact the state. And the further the day went on, the more people got involved in the conversation. And we kind of came to the determination that it was going to bleed out into the state and we might need to assist in some way. So we wanted to kind of start doing some planning. Um, it was recommended by our leadership that we just keep doing what we're doing and start planning for it. And we kind of looked at it from a start to finish process. And we started trying to think of any impact that it might potentially have on the state and how the entire operation was going to go. There has not been a federal or state declared disaster, which is something new for us. This is an event that none of us have plans for, none of us are familiar with. So it's just a completely unique incident in itself. So we started at the very start as far as incoming personnel, like what or incoming evacuees, what are we going to need to do to potentially support this? So we started brainstorming on what agencies and organizations would be able to assist. Start looking at, are they going to need transportation security? Are we going to need COVID testing and stuff like that? So we really were just brainstorming, writing it down as we went along uh, in the very beginning. And once again, because there was no official declared disaster, uh, that really doesn't open up any pools of funding for us to tap into, which is what we are accustomed to. If we have a disaster, usually we get uh, some money to assist in responding to that incident. From the very beginning, we knew that we were going to rely heavily on our voluntary agencies within the state, as well as maybe local businesses that participate in our business emergency operations center. So that's kind of the our attack plan in the very beginning. The event is rapidly changing still to this day, and the assistance that we're able to provide has increased. So with all the different roles, and you guys really starting this from the very beginning of when things really started changing in Afghanistan and starting this preparation before a large number of the evacuees even ended up coming to Fort McCoy, what have been some of the roles that the volunteers that have been mobilized have been able to play to help out with uh, fulfilling these different needs? Okay, so the volunteer piece has been huge. I would say that without Wisconsin VOAD or voluntary agencies, there really wouldn't be so much of a state response as our, our resources are limited in this. So uh, we can assist in the coordination of efforts and try to maintain good situational awareness and provide that information to any stakeholders that are involved in the process. But once again, if we don't have that, that funding pool, the voluntary agencies are going to be our primary support. Obviously, we coordinated, I, I coordinated closely with uh, John Stillmacher, which is the chair for the Wisconsin VOAD, and uh, Rahama from Serve Wisconsin. And we started developing that, you know, situational awareness, what are the potential needs and so forth. And then we started coordinating the voluntary response from that. So in the beginning, there was a lot of emergent needs. And it was, I would say our primary difficulty was 
determining what those actual needs were and how we could address them in the most effective manner. Donations management was a huge piece. Wisconsin VOAD and Team Rubicon really stepped up and took the lead on that. And I think it's been a very successful mission that they're still doing that donations management piece to this day. And my numbers aren't completely up to date, but I know at the beginning of this week, we had through that donations management team have donated or delivered over $4.5 million of goods to Fort McCoy and well over 400,000 packages of items to support. That's incredible. Yeah, it's they, they've done an amazing job. And, and I would say that we've become the standard that other bases were looking to to copy our model because we've been so successful in this endeavor. And so looking at what has already been done in this kind of amazing amount that's already been delivered up to Fort McCoy, what are things people can still do or what are ways people should be looking to get involved? As I said, this is a rapidly changing situation, but number one, reach out to organizations that you're familiar with and offer to volunteer or ask how you can help. I would say most agencies and organizations within the state are involved in it and are actively supporting this operation. So number one, get out and volunteer. And number two, just do a little research. Like I said, it's rapidly changing, so the needs are changing. We are still assisting with operations at Fort McCoy, but we're also looking at the resettlement piece now. It's kind of a, we've transitioned 